Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. My name is Vince. I'm one of the pastors here. This is Kenny. He's also one of the pastors here. And uh, we're glad you guys are here. Um, Today's going to be a little different. Uh, Normally, we preach sermons that tend to be more exegetical. Like next week, we're going to be diving into our Ephesians series, and we hope you'll join us for that. Um, But this week, the last Sunday of 2018, what we wanted to do is just pause and just talk from our hearts for a little bit and share about what we feel like God is leading us to focus on as a church family in this new year in 2019. So today's going to be completely different than a normal Sunday. As you can see, we've got two preachers up here. Um, Yeah. And and it's going to be very dialogue-driven. So we're going to walk through a text, and as we do, uh, we want to encourage you guys to just give feedback. We're going to ask some questions, and we're going to kind of expose this text together, and, which is going to work really, really well, as long as everybody jumps in and answers questions. Otherwise, it's going to be super awkward in here. So <laughs> feel free to dive in, and, um, and we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5, um, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 through 21. So if you want to turn there, if you want to leave your Bibles open or leave your iPhones open, you know, go to the settings and change it to where it doesn't lock up on you in the middle and you can't find the scripture. Yeah, if you don't have a Bible, we have uh, extras over here. Just come and grab one. Um, And if you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you. But uh, we're going to be hanging out around that scripture and you'll be wanting to look at it as your cheat sheet for the the dialogue answers. So... um, (laughs) We'll be hovering pretty close to that. Mm. Second Corinthians yes, 5. And if you can't see it up behind us, the verses are going to be uh, verses 14 through 21. We're going to be in the NIV today. And we're, man, we're just glad you guys are here. Let's start off with a quick word of prayer, and then Kenny's going to open up the scriptures for us. Mm. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for this past year, for the beauty and the brokenness, and every moment that whether we were aware of it or not, you were intricately involved in. Guiding our lives, loving us, holding us in the broken times, blessing us in the beautiful times. And I pray that as we look forward to this next year, that we would look forward to it with hearts of anticipation. Not just in, in maybe some New Year's resolution that we can accomplish or in some external thing that might bring goodness into our life, some new job, new relationship. But God, I pray that we would look forward to this next year with anticipation because you are our God and you are on the throne. And you have greater meaning for our lives than we could even imagine. Have your way in this gathering. Have your way in our lives this year. We submit all this to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Can you guys hear me in this mic? He's coming through. Okay. Uh, I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and through 21. Here we go. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is God's word. Amen. So holidays, they've come, they've gone. And uh, how many of you guys found yourself guilty of binging, binge-watching during the holidays? Anybody? Netflix, 
Binge Amazon eating Prime. for me. Binge eating. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the shows that I've gotten into, uh, have you guys seen The Man in High Castle? Good show, right? It's interesting. Um, and if you don't know about it, essentially it's, it's a story about an alternate reality where imagine if the Nazis had won World War II and America's divided between the Nazis on, um, on the East Coast and the Empire of Japan on the West Coast, and there's this boundary in the middle, and all these people are fighting this underground kind of, they're in this alliance trying to overturn the Nazi regime. And, and it's like, imagine this alternate reality. Um, and there's this underground resistance going on. And in the middle of it, kind of the key component for the series is this little film reel shows up. And when they play the film reel, it shows this completely different reality that shocks them all, where the allies won the war. The allies won World War II, and they're all sitting there like, what is this? This is crazy. This is a totally different reality than what we're experiencing. And it's the reality you and I live in, and we understand, but it's not the reality that the rest of the world sees at that point. And, and so that film just gives them like such passion, and they're like, oh my goodness, imagine if this was true. Imagine what life would be like. And they start living completely differently in light of this alternate reality that they see that maybe others don't see. And I thought, man, that is such a cool metaphor in some ways for what we have as the church. You know, um, such a cool metaphor for maybe what the early church experienced. Because the early church, they, they said, hey guys, the good news has come and it declares that Jesus Christ is Lord, not Caesar. And people are like, huh, what? They, they lived in light of this completely different reality and it infused their daily life with passion and mission for what God was at work doing and the reality that he was bringing. And... I started thinking about the term like missionary. They, they saw themselves as missionaries. And I thought, it's not really a popular term for us. Like, I'll prove it. Watch. When you, let's just open this up. When you think of the term missionary, what are some of the words, images, thoughts that pop into your mind? Across colonizing. Across seas. Yeah, so something we do over there. And colonizing. Yeah. White savior complex, imperialism, let's go in and we're going to change culture. Yeah, what else? I, what did I say? Oh. Imperialism. Yeah, missionary. We're going to co-opt the culture and, and make it westernized, kind of. Yeah, what else? Any, any other things? Get on an airplane. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, some, I was talking to somebody about it this weekend. They were like, yeah, I think of black bow ties and bicycles when I think missionary. It's like, there's a lot of different things we think of, but they tend not to be super positive images. Um, and, and so, like, anyway, as I, I was thinking about that, I was thinking about growing up. For me, it was, it was what, what Tyson was saying. We, in the back of our church building, we had this map with a bunch of pens in it and corresponding pictures on the side, and those were the missionaries. That was the missionary to Indonesia. That was the missionary to the United Kingdom, and they were the missionaries, and we all needed to send them support, which is true. They were, they were missionaries, but it's like we miss this integral truth that the Bible seems to make really clear that if that alternate reality is true, we're all missionaries. Charles Spurgeon has this quote. He says, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Whoa, that's, that's heavy. That's bold. That's, yeah. But that just marinate on your cranial tissue. That's, that's a big one. And I, I was thinking, like, many of us, we believe that. We get that. And yet that doesn't seem to be the daily reality we experience. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, subtly, if we aren't careful, the grind of our daily lives can numb us to that greater reality. And the 24-hour news cycle, the constant bombardment of new information can numb us to the fact that the good news is the best news ever and just kind of becomes old news to us. And we find ourselves, instead of living these lives, like infused with purpose and passion, and maybe some of the stuff we felt when we first got saved and gave our heart to Jesus, it started to numb, and now 
we find ourselves living for lesser missions instead of the mission of God, or we find ourselves trying to live for the mission of God, but we're just like exhausted and burnt out and just checking off the, the, the list of things that we have to do to be a good Christian, whatever that means. Um, you know, attending all these, you know, services and doing all this stuff. I think the question I want to ask is, how do we get here? And how can we recover the vibrancy of God's plan for us, God's mission in our lives? And this passage, I think, holds the key for us today that will recover our motivation, that'll help set us free from some of those lesser missions and help us step into the life and the calling that God has for each and every one of us. And more than just for us as individuals, But for us together as a church, as we look forward toward 2019 and this new year. So to get there, we're going to kind of walk through four questions. And that is, as we look at this passage, what do we see about who God is, what he's done for us, who we are, our identity, and how we're called to live in light of this passage? So you guys ready to help us out with that? Dialogue time. Let's let's do it. We got two people ready. That's a go. It's a Starting off church. 2019 with a bang. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, so the first question Vince talked about. Um, as we read that passage and as it's been marinating on your cranial tissue, did I say that right? <laughs> you did. Okay. Um, the first question we want to dialogue through is, what do we learn about God? How does God um, reveal himself to us in this passage? Like when you're reading through those verses um, that we read, and you can look at your Bible app or whatever right now, um, what are the things that stand out uh, to you about God's character? Mm. Uh, not just what he's done, but uh, um, what does he show us about his character and who he is? Marco. Mm. God's a lover. Yeah. So good. Yeah. How many of you have experienced that love? Yeah. Don't let the daily grind numb you to it. Yeah. Mm. What else? It's okay to take a minute. It's okay. The answers are always better if we think about them. What's that? Still marinating. Still marinating on the cranial tissue. Marco had another one. The synapses are firing him for Marco. (laughs) He had his coffee. Yeah, so God's a reconciler. He's not content to let us just stay off on our own, separate, away from him. You know, the whole, the whole thing about the garden is, is when God created us, he breathed into us and man became a living soul, like literally products of the word of God and the breath of God. He's our source of life. And when we're away from him, what happens? We die. But God wasn't content to leave us dead and off alone. He brought us back and he reconciled us together Amen. with himself through Christ. Amen. Yeah. We have one over here. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. In the not, not counting people's sins against them. Yeah. I wish I did that more. I wish I didn't keep score more. Yeah. Yeah. We have another one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Hard to do, yeah. Towards others. Yeah, that's good. God is God and we are not. <laughs> Amen. Thank God. Got to keep remembering that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, he took our sins, right? He took our sins so that we might become righteous. Verse 21. So good. And a couple more, Mike. Mm. 
Yeah, that's so good. When you're saying that, it makes me think of, sorry, didn't want to cut you off. It's bound to happen, though. We're going to cut each other off. Two microphones. So we just won't apologize next time. Don't apologize. Okay, sorry. Just cut me off, man. Um, When you're saying that, Mike, it makes me think of that he's on a mission. That he's, well, you see that in this passage that, that God himself is on a mission. And I know we're going to kind of unpack that later, but. It's really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. You're jumping ahead a bit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. That 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 is exactly that is exactly it in this passage. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, that's part of the reconciling piece, right? God's not separate. He's separate from us. Like, we are not God, but yet he's chosen to take up residence in our very lives. He sent his spirit to fill our lives. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. We got one more, then we're going to move ahead. Yeah. 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 He's the originator of that good news message, right? Amen. If it wasn't for him, it would just be all bad news. That would suck. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. This is true. All right. We're going to keep moving along in dialogue. And so as you guys are looking at your Bibles, next kind of question to think through, we talked about how do, how do we see God's character in this passage? What is he revealing to us about himself through mm. his word? And so this next question is, what does this passage in 2 Corinthians tell us about what God has done? Mm. So how has he acted? And, and really what we're getting at here is, um, what is um, how is this passage describing to us the gospel that we talk about, the yeah. good news? Some of you guys hinted on that, hinted on that a little bit, but going to kind of focus, move from God's character to what has he done? Was made us new. Amen. Mm. New creation. I feel like there are parts of my life where sin patterns and brokenness still shows up, and often it falls back to a failure to believe that I've been made new. You know, I know it. I know the scripture says that, but it's like that's the alternate reality piece, and I, I get so caught up over here that I forget the film reel exists, so to speak. I forget about the gospel. It's so true. That's important, man. New creations in Christ. That's good. What else have we seen God do in this passage? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Not counting our sins against us, right? He wiped the slate clean. And it, you know what? I love this. I heard a preacher say it this way one time. It's not just that Christ wiped the slate clean of all our, imagine all of our sins of all of our life written on a giant chalkboard. And it's like, oh man, it's up there for everybody to see. Not only did he wipe that clean, but then he filled it with his goodness, 
with his righteousness. That's, mm. that's the good news of the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no room left anymore for all my brokenness and my sin because Jesus Christ has called me, that's what this passage says, Ooh. the very righteousness of God, me. Little old broken me, the guy I look at in the mirror and I'm like, Eesh. righteousness of God, really? Mm. That's what it says. That's the alternate reality. Amen. What else have we seen God do? What has God done? Todd. Amen. It's given us purpose. That those who were dead should not live for themselves any longer, but live for him who died for them. Yeah. Mm. And rose again. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. He's commissioned us. He sent us. Mm. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think one of the things I think about is kind of the bookends that shows up. Like, for instance, we walked through the Gospel of John last year. And John 1 opens up, in the beginning was the Logos, the Word, the fullness of who God is, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And if you go down to verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh. And that's that idea of incarnated, right? Which is, anybody speak Spanish here? It's my favorite word in Spanish. Carne. Carne, right? <laughs> Carne is uh, incarnated, put on flesh, enrobed himself in flesh. And what that, it doesn't just mean, I got to stand up and talk. It doesn't just mean. Uh-oh, he's preaching. <laughs> that he became a blank human. But he was born, we remember this at Christmas time, born as a helpless baby to a family, into a culture, into a certain socioeconomic condition. And he sang the songs and danced the dance and ate the food and took on that culture. He fully embodied what it was, the truth of God, the good news of the gospel, through his life into a cultural context, into a time point in history to a people. Mm-hmm. He was a missionary. And then if you fast forward, right, through to the end of John, right, because you see Jesus Christ doing that, you see him living a perfect life in our place. You see him proclaiming the kingdom, not just by preaching good sermons, but every day in his life. So much of what he did wasn't, in the tabernacle or on a Sunday in a church service, so much of what Jesus did was along the way, in daily life, in daily rhythm, with small groups of people, incarnating the truth, the goodness of the gospel of God. He showed us what God was like. And then he not only declared and demonstrated the gospel, but ultimately he went up to a cross and, and ultimately demonstrated the gospel by showing us the love of God, by dying in our place. He became sin, who knew no sin, so that we could become the righteousness of God. Amen. And if that's true, that gives us a new identity in him. If we find ourselves in him, we're clean, we're the righteousness of God, right? And we see that, what was it, John 20 John 20, verse 21, Jesus says this to them. Think about this. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Listen, as the Father sent me, incarnating, so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. So John starts off with Jesus being sent to incarnate and be a missionary. And John wraps up by Jesus saying, as I got sent, now I'm sending you. And I'm giving you my authority, the the message of reconciliation, the gospel. And I'm giving you the very power by which I do this. Receive the Holy Spirit. 
I, I, just think about that. I'm sorry. I want a quick point. If you're a police officer, for instance, <laughs> and you just have a badge and you run into a bank robbery and tell everybody, I have the authority here, stop, but you don't have a gun, you're going to be in trouble, right? All authority, no power to back it up. Or if you have a gun and you go running into a bank to stop a bank robbery, but you don't have a badge, you might get shot because you don't have the authority. You need authority and power. And Jesus Christ sent us with the authority and the power. He gave us his gospel. He gave us the message of reconciliation. And he sent us with his spirit to be full of power. Why? For his mission. For his purposes. Okay. Amen. Amen. I stopped preaching. Don't stop. Don't stop. We are going to move on into some dialogue to the next thing. And, and again, some of you guys hinted at this a little bit, but I want to focus in on um, like it, what we've looked at is who God is and what God's done for us in the gospel, that he's made us new creation, um, that he's brought us from death to life, that he's given us great purpose. And so this, this question is kind of zeroing in on that. What does this passage say about who we are now? If our faith is in Jesus... If we have turned from sin and, and, and our faith is in him to save us, if we are relying on him, then the Bible talks about we have a new identity. And this is one of the key passages that you're a new creation, that the old is gone, the new has come. And so the question is, um, what does this passage say about who we are now? Hmm. Lots of identity language in here, right? Marco. <laughs> sure. I'm not going to say no. It's good, yeah, it's good news because there's bad news, mm-hmm. right? That we've been separated, that we're dying, that we're, we're lost apart from Christ. And yet, God is not willing to let us perish. He sent his son, why? To redeem us from that broken life and from a, a broken future and eternity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a valid point. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, all our needs are met in him. Yeah. Um, that's good. That's good. I think another, another thing in this passage, because it's so, like Vince said a moment ago, it's so full of identity language. Like if you look at it, it's just thing after thing after thing. But one of them is we're ambassadors. And someone said that earlier, that he's made us ambassadors. And, and that's, that's totally an identity language thing. It's yeah. not just we're just recipients. It's like, no, he's said, if you're in Christ, you're my ambassador. That has some meaning to it that we're going to tease out a little bit later, but that's just one thing that we see about our identity here. Yeah. Any other words that pop off from this, from this text that highlight our identity? I love that. We're sons. We've been reconciled. We're ambassadors. Kenny said we're new creations. Anything else you're seeing here? We are the righteousness of God. I still don't get that one. <laughs> I mean, I kind of get it in a very ethereal sense. Mm-hmm. But in my daily life, applying that one is, that's, that's a big concept. Like God looks at me and says, you're righteous. You're my righteousness. Mm-hmm. Mm. Amen. Any other ones before we move on to the next kind of dialogue and then towards the end? Yeah. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Philippians says to, to work out what God is working in. For it is God who's at work in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. So God is at work saving us. But then it says, so therefore, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, right? Amen. So continually be reconciled to God. That's, that's what we're talking about, in a sense, in this big picture, is the, old new, the good news can become old news if we let it. Mm-hmm. But God is constantly around us, reminding us of the good news, reminding us of his love for us, reminding us that he saved us. And every day we experience brokenness in our life and sinful attitudes and all this stuff. And if we will take those moments and we'll pause and pray and turn our hearts back to him and get back to the foot of the cross and remember the good news of the gospel, that good news drives deeper and deeper into our life and fills us more and more with gratitude and worship and love for him to the point where we can't help but go out and share it. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I want to um, guide us in one more question before we kind of get to the, um, the rest or the end of the message. Um, so we talked about what, who God is, what he's done, what we've seen him do in this passage, who he's called us to be, what, it, what a little glimpse of, yeah, I know we could talk for hours about what does it mean to be a new creation and what does it mean to be reconciled to God. I know we're just kind of flying over this, so, so bear with us. But um, the last thing I want to ask is, um, in this passage, as we've looked at all those truths, what does it mean about how we're called to live? What does it look like if, if this is true, if this is who God is, if this is what he's done for us? If this is who he's said, this is, you're, you're my ambassador, you're a new creation, um, what does it look like? And, and you can look at this passage. What is it calling us to live like? How should we live? Yeah. You and then you. <laughs> you're no longer about you. Yeah. And most of us are living that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perfectly. Every day. Every morning. Mm. But we're free from that, aren't we? It's actually a type of bondage when you live a self-centered life. And and the gospel frees us from that kind of existence to live a life wrapped around God and his will and and others. And then we end up finding the happiness we were seeking all along when we were trying to wrap everything around us. Yeah. That's a great point. Dave. Yeah. Mm. 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 Right? Yeah. So 
look at that and be like, okay, I can make it up and just speak out. Okay, I'm doing that. When we say he's making us feel, it means he's personifying everything that's in us and all the words yeah. through us. So if we're not protected by that, then his appeal is not really truly going out to mm, us. Yeah, is it being made? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Heidi. Yeah, and, and that's flowing out of what he says, too. We have uh, this ministry of reconciliation, right? So it's like we, we're called to live as those who see it as our life's goal to help other people be reconciled to God. If I've received reconciliation with God, if I have peace with God in my heart, I want to extend that to others. I want to help them. I want to implore other people like, hey, I found peace with God. <laughs> yeah. That's it. If the good That's news it. was just about us getting around and hearing the word of God over and over, right, then it would have been Jesus Christ saying something from the clouds. Hey guys, listen, this is the good news. But the good news wasn't just a, a, a textual linguistic message. The good news was embodied. It was incarnated in a person. The good news is Jesus Christ. And therefore, for us to spread the good news, we can't just say it. We can't just pass out surveys and try to get, you know, it's, it's about us actually living it out in our daily lives mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as missionaries. Yeah, incarnating. Amen. We might have time for, for one more. I've got one here on the front. Mm. That's it. Mm. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's a good word, Finn. Find your life by losing it, Mm -hmm. by laying it down. That's That's part of that. We live not for ourselves, but for the one who died for us and rose again. Yeah. Did you want to go into the yeah did you want to share some of those sure i think so i'll just say this like i think when we start talking about this this is all we're still in idea land so let's pull this down to daily reality this is a really normal practical daily reality i i mean for instance we have so many stories we could share but i remember um when we were first starting uh our first missional community we were meeting in a, in a pub in Little Italy, and I walked in uh, with a box of Bibles, and everybody knew it was a box of Bibles because it said Bibles right on the front. <laughs> and some drunk dude walked up to me, and he's like, are those Bibles? I was like, yes, they are. I thought, this is the opportunity, right? And he's like, that's weird. And he turned around and walked away. <laughs> uh, so I sat down, and I was just trying to, like, mark out an area for us to meet with the people who were showing up, and, and one guy was over here in the conversation sitting next to me. He goes, you guys doing, like, a Bible study in a bar? I said, yeah. He said, that's kind of cool, man. Well, come to find out, he was a JetBlue airline pilot that was there for whatever they call that when, when they stayed for a day. He's from uh, Louisville, I think it was. And, um, and so we, we get to talking, and... Uh, he just starts opening up his story, and he's been away from God um, in, in the sense, like, he hasn't been attending church. He was raised in church. And I said, well, dude, come over and join us at the Bible study. He's like, oh, no, I'm okay. I was like, I'll buy you a drink, man. Come on over. He's like, no, 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 it's okay. So um, we get partway into the Bible study in Acts, and all of a sudden, here he comes. 
he's bringing in his Guinness and he kind of sits down with us. And um, partway through the Bible study, I just see the tears streaming. Mm. And it was, I won't go into it, but it was a really tough time in our life where everything with church planning was really hard and we weren't sure whether we were in God's plan. And all of a sudden, this guy in the middle of a bar in Little Italy gives his heart back to Jesus and rejoins the church. And it's like, yeah, that, this is what it's about. It's about getting together with friends at a place you like and talking about Jesus and letting that spill over onto the lives around you. It's just normal, everyday stuff. It's not a bunch of additional things. It's just being more intentional with what you're already doing. I mean, we all eat 21 meals a week for the most part. Typically. Unless you do intermittent fasting. Around Christmas, it's more... What would it look like to take one of those meals that you're already eating and just take a coworker out? Mm-hmm. Just take a neighbor out and just hear their story. Just, not a bunch of additional stuff you got to do. You don't have to fly across the world, although you can. <laughs> we had a story like that with meals, and, and some of you guys were a part of this, but our, our little uh, GCM had dwindled down to about f- four people. <laughs> Four single men. Actually, maybe one married man and three single men. And we were like, we want to be on God's mission, but what do we do? And I used to meet at my apartment in North Park. And I said, oh, we're just going to invite our... What's that? (laughs) Um, We're just going to invite our neighbors to a a barbecue. And uh, Tyson was around. And he's like, well, when are we going to do it? And I was like, oh, maybe next week. He's like, let's go right now. So we went and knocked on every door of our eight... Uh, eight-unit complex and just invited everyone to a barbecue. And that was as simple as it was. We did that the next week, and um, it was just—it was so sweet. It was awesome. There's a 15-year-old who had lived there his whole life, and he says, like, at the end of it, he's like, no one has ever done anything like this in this complex. We've never hung out. <laughs> and he was so moved, and, and we met another woman, a single mother who lived a few doors down, and and right the first time she was like yeah Ashley she walked up and she was like are you guys at church or something and I was like oh man my cover is blown (laughs) (laughs) yes yes we are and uh and and she was like well can you guys pray with me because my ex-husband was a Christian but I'm a Buddhist but I want to know how to pray and we're like what yeah, we can pray with you. And so that, that began a relationship there and uh, friendship. We did a few more barbecues. By the third barbecue we did, um, the neighbors were the ones who brought all the stuff. There was a single dad upstairs who went to the commissary and got enough meat for a whole um, squadron like <laughs> for, the, for the barbecue. It was like, we didn't bring anything. We didn't do it. They wanted to do it, you know. And, and, and through that relationship with Ashley, that grew and... and she came over to our apartment one night and was just overwhelmed with life and just said, I, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to I follow him. And we led her to the Lord and prayed with her there in the living room and uh, baptized her not long after that. And uh, actually, Trevor and Heidi are godparents to her son. And uh, it's just, it was cool to see how simple that was to go from, we don't know anyone who lives here, to there's something vibrant that's happening and it's not like not some big huge ministry thing it was just like we're going to do dinner together and invite whoever shows up um mm-hmm. and i know a lot of you guys have experienced stuff like that it, i just love what vince is saying that's that's how normal and and easy it can be to live in in this way when you're thinking is i'm an ambassador yeah and god wants to make his appeal through me in word and deed and one of the ways that's going to happen is just living life with other people. There's, there's one, one I'm thinking about, too. Uh, this is another one Tyson was involved in. We were doing a DNA group, and um, we would meet at this place called Cafe Lulu, which has since closed in downtown. It was like a hookah lounge, and, and we would hang out there and um, study the Bible. We studied the Bible in some interesting places. Was, and uh, there was this girl there. She had, always had a scowl on her face, and so we, we just like... Um, I was scared of her, but Tyson was nice and, and, and <laughs> talked to her, invited her to, to a Sunday gathering. I was like, you invited Cynthia? And he said, yeah. And all of a sudden, Cynthia became like one of our best friends. And she showed up at a Sunday gathering with this uh, little wiry guy named Kenny Kay, who was part of a death metal band <laughs> and um, just an amazing artisan, uh, agnostic. agnostic and yeah. 
We, we hung out um, after, after service. I remember him asking me just about every question in the book um, and, and me tr- doing my best to answer and just hang out. All of a sudden, like, Kenny kept coming around, and Kenny ended up giving his heart to Jesus, and we baptized him. And uh, a few years later, he was married to this awesome girl in our church named Ashley, and, and um, he became, like, one of the leaders in our church and has done uh, work over in China. He's just awesome, brilliant guy. But then, like, he was estranged from his father. And all, the, all of a sudden, uh, his father, who was an uh, airline pilot, was it Delta or American? One of the blue, red, and white ones. <laughs> and um, for, I think, like 40 years, an airline pilot retired and wanted to reconnect with Kenny. So he started coming to church. And all of a sudden, here I am going Not over to Coronado yeah. um, and, and meeting with Scott and talking to him about the reason for God that we're reading together and just regular everyday stuff. We're grabbing lunch together. And Scott decided at, at man, about 60, 60-something years old, he's like, I believe this. And we baptized Scott in the bay there by Coronado, and, um, and he gave his heart to Jesus. And it all started, why? Because we were just hanging out, doing life together. Mm-hmm. And somebody had, had the gall to risk and share the message of reconciliation and invite somebody in. It's, it's not hard. It's just normal, everyday stuff. Mm-hmm. That guy, the blue shirt. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the question is, like, when we think about how normal this is to live out of just a regular identity, if it's not just a bunch of additional stuff we add to our life, but it's just being more intentional with the stuff we're already doing, why, why aren't we doing it more? It's an honest question. I'm asking that question to myself, too, because I see times when I do it, and I see times when I get so caught up in the fray of life. And, I, and I, I, don't, I don't do it as much. I don't engage. And I think there's a couple reasons. One is we do the mission, but we do it out of a place of trying to get something from God instead of from a place of what we've already been given in the gospel. Yeah. We try to check off the boxes. We're trying to please God. We're trying to work for God instead of resting in his grace and trusting. Like when did the gospel become about what we do for God instead of what he's done for us? And when we're trying to do mission out of that place, it becomes religious and it becomes dead and dry and we lose the motivation for it. But when the gospel infuses us with life and we remember how loved we are, different story. I think the other reason is because the other missions of our life can become more alluring than his mission. And so we get caught up living these other stories. We find ourselves wrapped up into these other worlds instead of where we were when we fell on our knees and received his grace for the first time. We forget that we've died to that old life and that we're alive to a new life. But when we see his love in the gospel, it's a different story. Yeah. Yeah, that's the key, what Vince is saying there. When we see the love of God, and that's what this passage, if you remember it, what the first phrase it starts with, for the love of Christ compels us. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. That when you see that, and Vince talked about this a little bit earlier, but when you see his love, when you see God on a mission for you, when you see that nothing will hold him back to reconcile you to him, that no sin that you've done, that no shame that is on you will keep him and his love from rescuing you. When you see that, the love of Christ compels you. Yeah. And you're not motivated to be on mission or to be an ambassador based out, of, um, based out of shame or based on, well, I know I ought to do this because this is what good Christians do, or I know I need to add a few minutes of evangelism to my week so that I can check that off. Yeah. And, and you're also, you're not, um, you're not compelled to live for lesser missions because God's love is pulling you mm-hmm. to say, people need to know this. People need to know the love that I have. People need to know the love that I've experienced because his love is what compels us. Nothing is the same. We're, we're, a, new, we're a new creation. Yeah. And, um, you know, when we talk about um, being ambassadors, it's, it's, an, it's an identity. Right. It's not something that we, get to, that we turn on and turn off. Well, I'm an ambassador now and I'm not an ambassador when I go to sleep. I'm a non-ambassador in the sleeping hours. <laughs> no, it's... If you're, like, think about the ambassador to another country. If you're the ambassador to Japan, 
you're the ambassador to Japan whether you're working or not until you're until you're not, <laughs> until you set, set that title away and your mission is over, right? Until the one who appointed you mm. says, okay, you're no longer an ambassador. That's the same thing with us. If we get this in our soul and the love of Christ is what's in us and we see ourselves mm. as this is an identity thing, not just something I do mm-hmm. or I ought to do, but this is who I am. Mm. And that God wants to make his appeal through me, through my life, through my words, through the way I act. I am an ambassador. All of a sudden, I can do that where I am right now. Yeah. And God may call me to do it in another country, but he's calling me to do it whether I go to another country or not. Mm-hmm. It's not going to start over there. It's starting right now mm. because I'm an ambassador. I'm a new creation, mm. and I'm not perfect, but he calls me a new creation. Yeah. It's not about me being the one who reconciles me to God. It's that he reconciled me. Yeah. And I cling to that. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Mm. So good. I, uh, I had one more quote, and I jumped way ahead, but Do it. we needed to. But I had a quote I wanted to uh, read you guys that kind of gives a picture of that, what Vince was talking about, this incarnation, and also what I'm saying about what it looks like to be an ambassador in everyday life. It's from Eugene Peterson, who passed away uh, this year, and is a well-known um, scholar and pastor. He wrote the Bible. He wrote the Bible. The message. The message Bible. But the quote says this. Most of what Jesus said and did took place in a secular workplace, Mm -hmm. in a farmer's field, in a fishing boat, at a wedding feast, in a cemetery, at a public well asking a woman he didn't know for a drink of water, on a country hillside that he turned into a huge picnic, in a courtroom, having supper in homes with acquaintances and friends. In our Gospels, Jesus occasionally shows up in a synagogue or a temple, but for the most part, he spends his time in the workplace. 27 times in John's Gospel, Jesus is identified as a worker. 27 times. My father is still working, and I am also working, John five seventeen. Work doesn't take us away from God. Yeah, say that again. Work doesn't take us away from God. It continues the work of God. God comes into view on the first page of our scriptures as a worker. And once we identify God and his workplace working, Mm. it isn't long before we find ourselves in our workplaces working in the name of God. Mm. And I know that says workplaces and we don't all have nine to five jobs, but whatever kind of work it is that you do, whether it's parenting or whether you're retired or, or whatever it is, when we see God doing work and doing ministry in the way that he goes along in everyday life. When we begin to see that, that, that gives us a clue into how he's calling us to live when he says, you're my ambassadors. Hmm. This is what it looks like along the way. Yeah. And those opportunities to minister or to share the gospel or to serve someone are not always interruptions. Although if, if you're like me, sometimes you treat them like interruptions. <laughs> to what I really need to do. But a lot of times that's opportunities to where God is saying, hey, I'm calling you to be an ambassador here. Look at how you get to display this to other people. Mm. Look at how you get to be on the mission that I've called you and that you're on. Mm. Amen? Yeah. So that, that kind of brings us to, kind of at closing here, what are we talking about for 2019? As a church, as individuals. And we, we prayed and prayed and felt strongly led with the, with the elders and deacons of the church that, that one of the things that can happen is, especially in our consumer and individualized culture, we can become very enveloped in our own life and our own world. But God is calling us as a church this year to look beyond ourselves and look outside ourselves like never before on his mission. Last year, the, the theme of the year was equip, and we started huddles, and we started developing leaders, and those are going to continue. We started classes sometimes on Sunday mornings to do some training on how the gospel applies to parenting and finances and marriages. We're going to continue that. We want to equip the church, but if we have that kind of self-centered view that's in the water we swim in, so to speak, that equipping can become all about who? I'm equipped for me, but the Bible says that we've been equipped for what? for mission, for the life of the world. And so this year, we're gonna look outside this church and look outside ourselves like never before. And we wanna ask you guys to prayerfully consider what that looks like for you. What does it look like for you to potentially, like, if we had a giant map of San Diego here, 
Who's the missionary to your neighborhood? What if there was a big red pin in it and it had your picture next to it? What if you started seeing yourself as a missionary to your workplace? As, and you say, oh man, whoa, 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 wait a second. Wait, guys, are we living in light of a greater reality? Or are we consumed with the thing that we see right in front of our face every day? Are we getting numb to reality? Or are we, are we seeing the reality that he came bringing in the gospel? And I, we, we want to make this appeal to everybody here that you guys would pause and pray today and say, Lord, what does it look like for me to be on mission like never before? Not out of checking off a box and doing something for God. And not out of just co-opting that as kind of my new mission to find my identity. And no, you already have an identity. You are a missionary. Christ did the work. And now he's inviting you to participate in his work on mission across the seas, across the border, and across the street. So this next year, we're going to actually take some missions trips. Some of you guys um, might be going to other continents. Some of us are going to go across the border a lot more regularly, whether it's to bring relief to those in need or whether by any means necessary to incarnate the best news ever. But if we're going to do that, we've got to take a lot of time to remember the good news and let that constantly re-inform our lives and re-motivate our hearts towards God's mission. Amen? So in closing, let's just pray. And like, as I'm praying, I, I want you guys to each just pause and ask, Holy Spirit, what are you calling me to do in this next year? If it's true that my life is, is no longer, I was dead and now I've been made alive in Christ to no longer live for myself, but to live for him. What, what's that look like? And I, I, I promise you something. That abundant life that he came bringing, that he purchased with his own blood, is a lot better than any of the lesser missions we would chase after. And you'll find life in it. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you're a missionary God. That while we were far from you, while we were enemies of one another and of the cross, you came, you sent your son, born of a virgin, made in the likeness of man as a helpless baby, and he grew, and every day of his life, he lived perfectly in our place. He's the perfect missionary. He incarnated your righteousness. Every time he was tempted to sin, he said no. Every time he was given the opportunity to do right, he did it. And then he went to that cross in our place so that we could be pardoned, so that our slate could be wiped clean of our brokenness and could be filled with his righteousness. And we remember that as we take communion. We remember that every Sunday when we get together and celebrate your goodness on our behalf. And we remember also that that's not the end of the story. Three days later, you rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. You conquered our fears. You reign high above everything that would freak us out, that would keep us from your mission. And I pray that today that you would help us to see ourselves how you see us. Maybe not seeing ourselves anymore how others have spoken over us or how we've seen ourselves as we look in our past or when we look in the mirror, but help us to see ourselves in light of the gospel as your ambassadors, as new creations in Christ, as your righteousness. And just as you came reconciling this world to God through, through your very flesh, through your very life, you've sent us to do the same. I pray that this year we would, that we wouldn't settle for anything less, that every time we're tempted to get caught up in the grind of the daily reality that's being presented to us, that we would remember there's a greater reality that exists, that we would replay the film, you know, that we would look at the foot of the cross and remember what you came and purchased for us and that we would start to live in light of the gospel again. Send us out on mission like never before as a church, God, and I pray for the thousands potentially that could be touched by people in this church this year. The people who may never otherwise know your name if somebody didn't get out there and tell them. The people who are hurting, who 
if you were here, you would bring healing to them. And the good news is you are here. You're here in your body, the church. Make us the kind of people who do the kind of work that you did to bring healing to the broken, to bring good news to those who are in despair, to bring love to those who feel ostracized and marginalized by society. May we embody the reconciliation you came bringing and incarnate it, Lord, into this world this year. In Jesus' name we pray.